Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. We have for you today a special episode. Uh, everyone is aptly woken up. We are no longer running out of bed at 7 a.m. to try and get down to a podcast. Mm. This is a midday podcast. Uh, should be kind of fun. Uh, very excited today. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. How are you today? See, look, Seth's already, well, Seth's already like more perky and I ready to go. On top of it. <laughs> moving forward we should do set 12 pass yeah. squeezing this right in between meetings yeah it's a good one. <laughs> there we go this is this is my uh okay let, let's keep it going let's keep it going <laughs> let's be prompt please yeah with, right. with this special episode um this is this has been a a long talk topic with us we've actually talked talked on this topic many times throughout uh the podcast so far uh and we're, we're gonna be talking about a topic around modeling data in the powerbi.com service and with us we have a Microsoft, and get make sure I get this right, Emily, welcome. Uh, this is Emily Lisa from the Microsoft product team uh, who's been working on this feature directly to deliver uh, this new experience. And just for record, uh, inside the description is this feature. The Microsoft blog released a post, I think it was at the end of April, where Emily, I think you kind of wrote up a little blog post around, this is the new feature. Uh, it's coming to the service. By the way, you can use it in my workspace right away. And you can turn the feature on in various workspaces um, as you see fit. So welcome, Emily. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having me. We appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Um, as everyone knows, our audience, uh, the three goofballs that are that are the explicit measure guys, uh, Emily, we would love to have uh, just a, a brief background. Like, you know, where do you sit in the Microsoft space and maybe kind of a little bit about your background? How did you get there? How did you get to Microsoft? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name is Emily, and I am a product manager on the Power BI team. And currently, I'm focused on modeling capabilities for Power BI, um, especially around driving parity between our modeling capabilities that are offered across our different surface areas. So being able to do your modeling capabilities, not only in desktop, but also bringing these capabilities to the service as well. Um, Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how, so I um, actually, I've been at Microsoft for about five years now. And prior to being on the Power BI team, which I joined the Power BI team about a year ago, um, prior to that, I was on the Azure SQL team, um, primarily focused on features in the high availability and disaster recovery space. Nice. So you, you make Seth's heart very happy right there. He's, when, when you hear disaster recovery, <laughs> uh, SQL, you know, these, these, are, these well, are things that make Seth's heart sing. Yeah, there you go. We we share that in common, you know, old old, old SQL background to into Power BI newness, right? Exactly right. Well, excellent. Yeah, there's a lot of. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, there's a lot of cool overlap between SQL and Power BI. Lots of interesting data concepts. So glad that you're also a fan of both products. The the more I dig into what what Power BI is doing, there's actually a shockingly amount, a large amount of SQL. All the data queries are kind of as SQL esque. There's a lot of you know query faulting that's happening on the back end of things. You do a lot of direct query stuff, all that stuff generating SQL all over the place. So um, yeah, it. Seth and I have had uh, maybe some heated discussions per se around what is the language that runs the business. What what is the language that runs the data world? And I'm firmly convinced it's SQL. Like SQL runs the data world. It it is everywhere across every product. It is so robust to be able to manipulate and and get that data shaped in a way even even databricks right i'm using databricks and i'm constantly using sql databricks as well excellent well jumping in let's talk more about this new feature so um you've been working on the product team really around modeling for the website so this is uh where can we find this feature today inside powerbi.com yeah um so this is available in power bi service and so this is like we were saying earlier, it's on by default for my workspace workspaces. So you can test it out uh, directly there. Um, but if you have a collaborative workspace, whether it be like premium or pro user type workspace, um, you do have to enable a preview feature switch in order to test out data model editing in those workspaces. So you just go to workspace settings and there under the Power BI section, there's a feature switch. You turn that on and you can test it out in those workspaces as well. So for every setting between now and honestly modeling the web, it's always been something in the tenant level settings that you had to enable. Is there a reason why Microsoft decided to push this in like my workspace enabled by default and then something per workspace rather than the tenant level and security groups? 
Yeah, which that is a good question. Um, we actually do also have an admin level setting um, where it's enabled by default at the tenant admin level, um, but we do provide tenant admins an option to disable this for specific like users or also the organization following a similar look and feel to the, the data marts tenant yeah. admin setting, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that. Um, just because we know this is an exciting but very powerful feature. So we wanted to give tenant admins that kind of fine-tuned control yeah. to be able to choose who has access to this powerful tool. Um, so we still have that. The reason we have the workspace level feature switch as well is we really wanted to make sure users who are testing this out um, are aware that this is currently a preview um, and there are limitations associated with this. So that's mm -hmm. why we wanted um, you actively opt in, recognize like everything in my workspace by choosing to do this. I am using a preview experience. I'm kind of encouraging users not to have necessarily their mission critical data sets um, edited directly in the web, have some kind of process in place just because it's a preview. Changes are automatically saved. There's not an easy way to revert to a previous point in time at this stage if you make a mistake. So we just kind of wanted to, to add that extra level of acknowledgement that I'm testing a preview right now. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So thinking through some of these features here, um, I want to go a little bit high level here for just for a brief moment. So um, as I think about like the the personas or the people that are engaging with PowerBI.com, I'm kind of thinking through like um, in Microsoft's mind, where where is this user persona fitting? Like when would be a good use case? And again, um, I think, again, we're talking about preview things, right? I could. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll be I'll be on. We're, we're going to get we're going to get heated here for a moment. So. <laughs> Uh, Tommy and I kind of disagree on some of these things here. So I'm of a huge proponent around, I like everything in the web browser. The more you can give me in the web browser, the more mobile I can be, the more I can be uh, flexible with what I'm designing. Granted, this is in preview, so there's probably more features coming in the future. But, um, you know, where do you see, you know, this persona fitting? Where where does this modeling the web experience fit uh, within a, you know, data modeler, report builder, and a release manager type persona with inside the Power Bay ecosystem. Who is this really targeted for? Yeah, um, so I'd say long-term in the fullness of time, we're really targeting like any type of creator, like Power BI creator mm -hmm. who um, prefers using the web. And there's a lot of reasons why a user would prefer using the browser, whether it be just because it's um, for some people quicker and easier to make changes in a browser rather than downloading desktop, opening the application, making changes there, republishing. Um, so that's kind of one reason why users would prefer this. Enable um, non-Windows users to be able to try out this feature. So that's another big persona that I could see um, preferring using a browser type experience. So in fullness of time, I would say really any creators who would want to be able to make changes to a data model, whether it be your analysts or your BI pros, like I see value in both of those personas using this feature. Mm -hmm. At this stage, we have a pretty, like not all the capabilities that exist in desktop today yet exist in the service. You can right. only edit existing data sets. Um, so right now I see it more as kind of your analyst type persona who wants to make quick changes to their existing data sets. Awesome. And, and again, I'm kind of, picking up some pieces that I understand about Azure and how it lives today, right? So if, again, if I'm thinking about like the SQL experience that I'm used to, I go into Azure, I can build a SQL server, I can even log into the SQL server using the web interface, and then even add uh, additional SQL queries directly inside the SQL server, then I can start writing queries against the database right there inside the web browser. And I feel like this is another evolution of that experience coming directly to the modeling experience inside Power BI. So uh, for me, I'm very much a proponent of, of being able to make quick changes, modify some things, right? Um, the the next question I kind of have here is we're now diverging, and this may be, Tommy, I might be stepping your question here, but feel free to jump in. We, we may be stepping on a little bit of what the desktop user would traditionally do. So if I if I think about the workflow right now, I would maybe come in and want to modify a measure, change the data type on a column. These are simple changes that should not, I should not require to go download this whole file. So how does this work when I make simple changes to a column or a measure? And what happens to my desktop experience? Can I still get that model out and manipulate it in desktop after I've made some changes in the service? 
Yeah. So when you make changes to the service, if you then download the PBIX, um, like associated with the changes you made in the service, you can then open it in desktop and see all of those changes within desktop. Um, and then likewise, you can republish to the service from desktop and then see the changes you made um, in desktop in the service as well. Um, so we really do anticipate users using both service and desktop. And we have kind of that, that download and republish flow in place. The thing to be aware of, though, is if you make a change to, say, a measure in the service, it's not going to automatically reflect in your PBIX file in desktop. You need to do that download. OK, yeah, that makes sense. So with that being said, and I know right now, like XMLA, any update you make to that, you can no longer download or there's still those limitations. And someone who still somewhat upset that power apps desktop is gone and i mean not not that it's harping on it but just a little piece he's mad a he's little mad. a little map obviously there's <laughs> the limitations like if i were to create a report in power bi service i can't do bookmarks i can't you know uh, there's a lot of features missing um i still have to download the whole feature what is as much as you can speak to kind of microsoft's uh, um, roadmap or in a sense plan when it comes to that synergy or that working between service and desktop. I'm going to have to download service every time if, if I make a minor change. Where do they see that relationship working for someone who is dedicated to Power BI desktop or get dedicated to that developer role? Yeah, um, which this is something that like if people have feedback on what's the easiest way to interact between service and mm -hmm. desktop, we're we'll really interested in hearing feedback that you may have on this. Um, so please, the blog post that you included in the description for this, that's a great place to give us feedback. We're really looking into this. Um, but yeah, right now, like we're really the primary thing we're targeting is the download republish flow. Um, we are looking to bring more and more of these modeling type capabilities, though, to the service over time. Um, which hopefully will help with some of those interactions. Um, but in terms of just like how to interact with both desktop and service, if you're like modeling in both of them, um, right now we're looking at download republish, but any additional feedback on how to right. make this more streamlined, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you all. Love it. So one one question related to this is with, with any new preview or documentation that Microsoft puts out, I, I usually just scroll all the way to the bottom for the unsupported features. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I, I won't, I won't, I won't ask you as far as, you know, like timelines on unsupported features or anything like that. But you, you did mention like in the fullness of time, right? Is, is the goal to reach uh, feature parity with what we have in terms of the desktop experience or, or better? Yeah, which that is a really great question. Um, in the fullness of time, we do want functional parity in modeling capabilities offered in the desktop and the service. Um, there might be some nuances in what the look and feel is like in desktop and service, just because there are some cases where you might expect to interact with something in a different way in a browser than you would in an application. Mm -hmm. um, but functional parity is our long-term goal. It'll take us a while to get there, which is why we really love hearing feedback from users on what to prioritize next, what can help unblock different scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, that is our long-term goal. And on a similar topic, I just want to address it upfront. We do not plan on getting rid of the desktop application. Don't. <laughs> you just made Tommy's day. Literally, I was going to ask that question. Like, if I had to check my like SAT score, like I don't want to look. I don't want to open the envelope. So okay. So so as a as a quick follow up to that, um, based on feedback that you may have gotten already or plans prior, um, can you share any of like for those unsupported features? Like, are there are there ones that are top priorities uh, as, as far as like getting out in the next release? Um, yeah, I think there's going to be different things also depending on how much time is involved in supporting all the features. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Ones that are kind of top of mind for me that we're hoping that we're actively at least investigating in are things such as like right now you can only edit existing data sets in the service. So being able to also create new data sets with more different types of connectors is very top cool. of mind for us. Um, removing basic limitations is mm -hmm. another one. Um, and then also, um, this will be a bit more long-term and it's still kind of an investigation phase, but allowing users a way to recover to a previous point in time, whether it be like version history That's or similar type functionality. We've heard lots of feedback on this. We hear you, we're looking awesome. into it. We understand why this yeah. is important. This also feels a bit reminiscent of what I see in like Azure Synapse at this point, because there's there's this concept of uh, in, in Synapse, there's an environment where 
uh, you can you can jump into building a notebook or a SQL notebook. You can write code, and then it kind of does it like almost like locally until you like check it in or commit it basically into a library that is Synapse, where it deploys it to everyone. So, for example, Tommy and I could both kind of work on a model together, and we commit those changes. I would imagine the story here is very potentially challenging because you know I, I could I could totally in the web it makes it very easy for multiple people to get access to the same stuff at the same time. Right. So I could see there could be a really big challenge design-wise, like, hey, Mike opened up the model. Oh, Tommy opened up the model. Okay, well, you know, whose changes go in if we're either touching the same measure or we're doing, you know, different measures or I'm creating new measures and Tommy's creating new tables, right? That all could be happening simultaneously on the data set, which is really cool but I would imagine that makes a nightmare or a headache from your standpoint of, okay, well, how do we take all of these pieces and then restitch them together? And, and again, I'm reading between the lines here a little bit. I feel like this, this Tyndall uh, experience that Microsoft has, has made uh, where the, the tabular model definition, definition language, where you're, you're manipulating a data model more with like text files and table definitions and, it, it seems to me it feels better from a merging standpoint, being able to say, okay, if we use this Tyndall type modeling system, we could have multiple people editing different parts of the model and doing a true merging of like a CICD pipeline. Now many people can work on different pieces and we can say, okay, when Tommy edits the model, we're not editing the entire BIM or, or the tabular, the TMSL, we're, we're editing like a portion of it. Like Tommy only edited line 10. Okay, great. Mike, you edited line 30. Okay, good. We can then pick those changes, merge them together, and now we have a single model that that represents both of those. That man, that's really exciting to be able to see like that kind of capability, but a, I would that's gonna take a lot of work to figure My out. Question is, as yes. as Mike so Emily, Emily, you'll just have to forgive Mike. Sometimes he goes off into this I'm sorry. realm this is of like rabbit he's hole. developing. He's yeah. developing these solutions. So if you want to take that as feedback, <laughs> I know there's I know there's uh, also yeah. some in the chat that are uh, definitely talking about the like this sort of multi-editing experience yeah. as well. Yeah. So Mike's question is, huh? Yeah, I don't have a, that wasn't a question. <laughs> that was literally not a question. Uh, you know, that that was a more of a statement around. Uh, that's just a that, that is what a feedback item I'll provide to you on your blog post, or I'll go put it on uh, ideas.powerbi.com. I'll, I'll land it there for you. You can pick it up and, and you know throw yeah. it away in the garbage later on if you don't even and, want it or whatever. For the record, because I think we need to touch on this version control um, thing a little more. But I'm not an old man yelling at clouds when it comes to desktop, but I am a huge proponent. <laughs> If I am going to do something, wherever it's located, it has to be a better experience than it was before. I don't care. A lot of browser experiences are fine because that's the only option. But a lot of times you're sacrificing the user experience or the developer's experience because, my goodness, you know, forbid if you press Control-Q or Control-W on your keyboard and the browser closes. Or you don't have a lot of the same features available, uh, which I personally can't stand. So... I'm assuming service is also going to do things better than desktop or it's, in a sense has to, is that maybe that collaboration area has that conversation been had at Microsoft where what is service going to offer that desktop doesn't. Yeah. So I would say our mindset isn't really to make service okay. better than desktop. Honestly, if we bring something that we feel is good to the service and we get a lot of positive feedback on, we want to bring that to desktop mm. too. Like our goal is really parity between the experiences. The key drivers of why we really want to support this in the server, the service is to be able to unlock non-Windows users mm. and also allow users to make kind of quick and easy changes without having to do the whole like download, um, launch desktop, make a change, republish workflow. It just it could be a lot quicker for some users. So that's kind of what why we're targeting bringing these capabilities to the service. We aren't looking to make it necessarily better though. We're looking to make both experiences in service and desktop good and have functional parity. So a quick question around that, again, talking about parity and, and potentially multiple people editing the model. Someone actually asked the chat window, um, what would happen if two people open the model and two people are making changes at the same time? Is it kind of this idea of like last one in wins kind of idea here? 
Yeah, so we have a very like basic first step towards multi authoring mm -hmm. type scenario supported mm -hmm. today. Um, so if anyone on the call is familiar with like data marts and the multi author experience there, it's going to be really similar to the experience that exists today in data marts, where okay. multiple users could have the same data model open at the same time. If one user makes a change, um, other users will have to have their models mm -hmm. refreshed in order to see this change and make further changes. Um, so it's a first step. Um, yeah. So this is also something we'd love feedback on. Like, do you anticipate actually having multiple users edit the same data model at the same time? Is this something really high priority for you? Um, or is this kind of first step something that will work um, for your solutions in the near mm. future? Makes total sense. I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess what strikes me with your last comment is I would almost, I would almost challenge the direction if that is a hard line related to, um, keeping the experience between desktop and the new capability in the service in parity, right? Because if, if I look at all of the, the newer innovative things coming down the pipe and a conversation we just had earlier this week around low code, no, no code solutions, especially around challenges that Power BI has, right? Like we were discussing Power Query and, and how that interface is, is very useful from a low code perspective where end users can do a ton, like 80% of the ETL that they would need to when connecting to data sources and cleaning data. But where it falls apart is, is technically kind of in this modeling experience where people don't have that that level of understanding of creating facts and dimensions and star schemas, et cetera, where we were kind of pontificating about like a better ways in which you could produce a, you know, a wizard is, is, you know, a, an overused and poor term for it, but like yeah. guide, guide users through an experience so that by the time they hit the visual framework on the front end, you, you've, you've, guided them into building the right things so they don't go down this like rabbit hole of really complex stacks. You keep it really simple for them. And that's done by, you know, uh, an experience where you would guide them into, hey, you're saying that this is your unique thing. We call this a dimension, but your data doesn't support that. You need to go fix it. Right. So we are kind of like walking through that. And I, I would almost I would almost to me, it almost seems like over time that a service side offering of modeling capabilities and everything would would actually have more opportunity to use more advanced things down the road because it is an Azure service as opposed to, you know, a desktop thing. Yeah. I don't know. There really no, wasn't a really question in there, but like, <laughs> I suppose more of the challenge of like, huh. Yeah, no, but it is interesting. And it's something we talk about a lot, honestly, is that like, it's important to be able to like build a data model before going into reporting, <laughs> like and try to keep it simple right. and usable. Um, and something we're thinking through is like, how can we help make <laughs> this easier, especially for beginner users, because it can be difficult when you first kind of enter into Power BI trying to figure out what is a data model? What's a star schema? Like, what all do I need to do? Yeah. Um, so the topics you brought up are really interesting. I do see potential in service and also desktop to, to improve these type of experiences. Now, I want to piggyback on that real quick, Seth, because that raises something that we've talked about a well when it comes to the governance side. Obviously, there's restrictions that will be enabled, but we know with Power BI on the roadmap being part of the office install. And we, we actually had an entire pot episode dedicated to like, what does that mean? Like, what is that going to the consequences of that? And I think modeling in the web where if I have edit access to a workspace, I'm going to be able to edit anything in that workspace from a beginner point of view who may not have the, the skill set or the knowledge, you know, they can just go in and edit where, so I, kind of picking up on that item where's the security or the governance going to be playing in and where do you for, foresee how do we enable everyone to you know data for everyone but at the same time in a workspace having those restrictions in place where we also understand the roles and responsibilities yeah which this is a good question that you know we this is an exciting capability we want to bring it to more and more users but also there's many cases where you need to make sure you have the proper security in place because there could be sensitive data that you don't want everyone to have the access to be able to manipulate the data model yeah. for. Um, so right now we have the admin setting that I was talking about, which can help, you know, allow admins at a high level to choose what users and what like security groups in their organization can even do any data model editing. 
Um, and then we also, right now, to be able to open a data model for a data set, you need to have contributor yep. access to that uh -huh. data set. So that is um, build and write permissions. Yep. That's how we're approaching it today. Um, this is something that if you feel like we need to look into further, whether it be like more permissions, more ways to kind of like regulate who has access to this, I this would be really interesting for us to hear more and more about. Now, as I, as I think about, you know, when I look at the, the the feature release and kind of going a bit more in the, the concept of modeling the web, I believe there's already been a couple good, I would say, improvements that are already occurring between desktop and what's coming out for modeling the web. I think one of them is looking at um, row-level security, right? It seems mm -hmm. like, the, and also I think relationships is another part of desktop that has slightly changed that has reflected what has been doing, what's been happening in modeling the web. So in modeling the web, the, there's now a, well, in desktop, we had this relationship pane that appeared. And so the relationship panel was kind of like a function of, well, in in modeling the web, you don't want to fly open a, a a box that basically does relationship management. You actually want to have like a, a proper window or a panel on the right-hand side that helps you modify that properties pane for, for relationships. So I feel like in, in this case, two good improvements that came first to modeling the web eventually made their way back into desktop, which I really like those two changes. And I would actually argue the, the new role-level security um, management is a bit more intuitive and you don't have to write DAX initially to get that relationship modeled now. You can actually, you know, kind of pick, you know, this column equals this, and then it kind of just works. So I, I really like what you're doing already, being able to bring some of those features uh, from the website, the website side of things into desktop. And so as long as, as long as there's not too much of a lead time between both of them, I think I'll be really excited to continue to see like a lot more modeling the web um, because I feel like that, Again, I I do I do app development in my company, right? It's much easier to build a, to change a website than to change a desktop application. It just is. So you can iterate and build much faster in the website of things, test things out, see what works, and then take those best features and bring them into desktop. Which I really like that that mentality that you're bringing to the to this feature particularly. Yeah, thank you. And that is kind of our mindset: is that we want to have like really similar experiences in the service and desktop. If we test something out and users like it a lot in the service, let's bring it to desktop. Oh. And same, like there's tons of things in desktop that users have found a lot of value from that we want to bring to the service as well. Um, and the enhanced RLS editor experience, we actually that is in preview also in desktop for those who aren't aware. Um, it is the row level security experience in the service day, but we also have a preview mm -hmm. in desktop. So Please yeah. try it out, get good. us feedback. We had a lot of fun developing this. Like, so I'm happy to hear that you liked that. It's more of an intuitive drop-down so. type experience. You don't have to know DAX to be able to like create your role level security yeah. roles. Um, so yeah, I was happy to hear that. And the team who's been working on that editor as well is going to be excited to hear um, the shout out that you enjoy this feature. We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to send them along the way. Like, go find yeah. the podcast. We talked about, we, we gave you some kudos. And um, yeah, I, I, I like where things are going. So, go ahead, Tommy. What are you saying? Um, I was saying, do we do gift baskets? Oh yeah, we should do gift yeah. baskets yeah. now. Um, well, one thing we actually have, we were having this conversation just earlier. One of the differences between desktop and and service is from a pure user point of view. I have a, an amazing PC. I've nicknamed La Tigra. That's sitting underneath me. That handles any processing that I can imagine. Now in the service, is there a bit of pay to play? Because especially you need premium and am I paying for whatever modeling changes I'm doing? Uh, or is that is that part of the roadmap too, where I, I could you know use my iPad to model, but I have to pay for those changes? Yeah, and we are we are introducing new billing concepts with modeling, um, modeling capabilities in the web. So whatever kind of setup you have today in the service, whether it be premium, whether you be a pro user, like that all is still gonna be the same. And we plan on supporting, like, and we do support um, data model editing for both premium and pro users. Um, so we're not adding any additional cost here, but that is a good point that you make that in the service you do um, pay for those type of licenses, whereas in desktop is in that you can just download for free. So right. that is accurate. Yeah. We are adding extra okay. costs though. Okay. You, you just you just pay in a different way, Tommy. Right? There, there's a lot of upfront costs for you. <laughs> That's true. That's well true. worth it, my friend. And, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, then this is this is a lot of where I think Tommy and I potentially disagree a little bit on this topic here because I really again 
if I think about changes to the data model, like there, there's kind of, there's, in my mind, there's multiple layers we're talking about here, right? There's, there's the definition of what the model's doing. And the definition is fairly lightweight. There's not a lot of definition to the speed or, or the impact of speed on things. Like by comparison, right? If I'm looking at Power Query, Power Query is a kind of a different engine altogether, right? So Power Query, you're going to get this data. I need to load this table. You know, if I'm hitting API, I have to wait for the data to come to Power Query online and then basically resolve to me a table of information that's visual, visual on that page. When I'm, make, when I'm making changes to the data model, I'm only modifying the BIM file or it, to this point right now. So there's technically less overhead on the processing side of like what's occurring inside that data model. You're just manipulating a smaller amount of, I call it maybe assets at this point. Right. So I could see like, and now the way, again, again, I'm putting my, my big picture glasses on here, right? Today, the way I see uh, modeling the web is it's pretty lightweight. It's not going to cost a lot of extra effort to be able to make changes to a measure or add a column. It's only when you need to process partitions does compute and things start clicking on, or if you're trying to manage right. incremental refresh, or if you're trying to show a preview of a table that you just modified in modeling on the web, that's where I think you're going to start seeing, okay, now we're talking about more, to your point, Tommy, there's more compute required for that. So the jump between the modeling exercise and the data side of things, that's when I'm seeing like the, comp the compute might need to be more impactful that part of the, the application. And I would gladly push back or, or disagree with part of that because I still think like the modeling of the web is a part of the solution I think Microsoft's doing. Again, I don't know, but I'm assuming they're not just going to stop at modeling in the web. Obviously, we have Power Query or data flows. Yep. Power Query is going to be one part of this. The idea is if they're going to do modeling the web is to build a model and create a report in the web. So you're going to need all those solutions available. Yes, you might be only modeling the BIM just like in Tableau Editor mm -hmm. where minimal effort, but that does play into a bigger role because eventually it's got to go back to the model. Question around this one then. So, oh, go ahead. You're going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say one yeah, quick yeah. thing just on a similar topic since we've been kind of talking about capacity yeah. impact. We do actually have ways for you to monitor the capacity impact um, in the capacity metrics app for um, your data model editing oh. capabilities. We have two operations in place oh, to cool. help you kind of track like, what's the impact of <laughs> data model editing on my capacity? So these topics have been top of mind for us and we do want to allow users to see like, what's the impact this is having on my my capacity? Is, is this, again, you may, you may not know the, the name of the features of it. Is this something to, to make sure I clearly understand what you're saying there? Um, there is now new activities in the activity log that we're going to be able to observe and that's related to modeling and web correct yeah we have two operations that you can look at specifically for um web modeling and i forget yeah, the exact operation names it's in our documentation um but we have it so that way you can check like you have um, probably been doing in your capacity metrics application be able to see like right. this is the impact that like web modeling specifically has had on um, my capacity. Awesome. Oh, and I just found yell it. at Mike and say, Mike, stop it. I'm turning what? you off. Shutting, <laughs> shutting down your contributor access to the workspace. Yeah. <laughs> <You're done>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop editing the models in the web all the time. <laughs> oh, I've been, you know, it's it's uh, it's like a Dr. Seuss book. You know, I've been editing on a train. I've been editing on a plane. <laughs> We're shutting down Mike Carlos. I can, I can edit anywhere. Do you edit? Do you edit in the car? <laughs> do you edit from afar? Like, you, I think this is gonna be a we're, we're gonna have to re redo this need. for we'll yeah. see chat gbt do that so yeah actually that, <laughs> no, next week on amazon you'll see uh data <laughs> editing in web on the dr seuss list there that'll be there so, this actually <laughs> yeah that's actually our next <laughs> <laughs> it's the dr seuss book <laughs> yeah. Love it. i'm sold i'm sold i'm sold. all in done well okay so I, i'll switch gears a little um and i'll I'm assuming this is going to be part of the roadmap based on everything else. Like every blog article coming out from Microsoft right now is revolve revolves around copilot, which I have no issue with in the slightest. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm assuming because we have copilot and then we're in the web is copilot going to be one of the features part of modeling in the web. Has that been a conversation or is that again, or is this a feedback type of topic question? Um, yeah, yeah, this is a feedback type of topic, but it is something we're really interested in hearing feedback on because um, 
like we're in investigation mode right now. We know anything AI or like co-pilot Super related is, is really top of yeah. mind for people. Um, so what would you like to see in terms of like helping out with mo data modeling with AI? Like where can you see this being most powerful? Like these are things we're thinking mm. of and would really like to hear any feedback about. I'll give you one right now. <laughs> so um, some, <laughs> someone, I don't remember who, I think it was Darren Gospel from DAX Studio released a very simple data script or, or script that where oh, he God. was he was reading the data model and he was using I think it was Copilot or or ChatGPT yeah. or an API and he was basically running every column through that or every measure and it was providing almost a human readable description. Hey, this measure is trying to calculate this. So, so I believe the um, the prompting from an AI standpoint is. Hey, ChatGPT, can you explain this DAX measure? And then it basically you paste in the DAX measure and it outputs some text, like a description. And so one thing that I use all the time when we're working on client models or building things for people, we're always trying to describe like, what is this measure here for? How did this measure interact with the rest of the model? You know, what is the syntax of that measure? And so again, one of these low hanging fruits that I think is very time consuming is going through all your columns and all your measures and actually doing proper what I call documentation around what these things are and what they mean. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like business level. So mm -hmm. if you can, and again, you're probably thinking about these things already. This is the, I'm just going to throw the idea in the ether and I'll go to ideas.powerby.com. I'll throw this in there for you as well. So Thank I think it would be, please. it'd be really fun for us to be able to start leveraging like these more technology tools to capture some of these really low hanging fruits that I think enhance a lot of the user experience because I'm the modeler. I, I understand how the model's built. I don't need to document anything for me. It's the challenge becomes when I give this thing to somebody else and they try and pick up what I built and they and they don't, one, they can't see a measure two, maybe they can't see how the data tables or relationships are built together. Maybe they're building a thin report, but they're trying to understand like, Michael, what the heck are you doing with this data model? Why is this measure here? What is it intended for? And oh, by the way, you know, maybe I made this measure to be purely a title on top of a, a bar chart, right? right? So it's it's got very specific formatting for the this is a title only bar chart measure. Don't use this in an actual report, like those kind of things. So there there may be some additional things there that you could leverage Copilot with that would help there as well. So, anyways, that's again, I'm uh, Michael has further divulged into another rabbit trail on that one there for you. No, but I appreciate it. Like we, I mean, I'm not going to commit to us doing anything, but like, this is something we want to gather feedback on and hear like what would be beneficial yeah. for us to kind of invest in um, to help like both users who are doing data modeling themselves from like scratch or like users. What's going on? How can I build a report based mm. off of this? Yeah. Very, very cool. So, Any other questions, Tommy? Yeah, I got a few, Seth. I, I, I thought you move the mouse i'm gonna pause real quick so. <laughs> tommy you're so keyed in right like uh the, the funny thing before we got online we were talking about my my normal face um and an acronym for that but uh, i know regardless like now. these little these little nuanced things the guys that are keyed in on <laughs> i no i i mean it was it was more of a curiosity thing right emily like i, I would imagine multiple different teams, right? Obviously product owners in to all these, these different areas, but Mike's point is a good one from the standpoint that, you know, um, your area may be modeling, but a lot of our conversations are around how are we taking the technical things that we're building and making them reusable because mm -hmm. my model could be my own, or it could be an enterprise model that many people are connecting to, but documentation is always part of that, whether it's a business level or report end user level um it's a very manual process right so it i'm, I'm in i don't know if there's a question in here but does does the do the product people get together to talk about that end-to-end -end user experience where a developer um is what we push is shouldn't just be focused on the technical things but the actual user and how they're interacting with the report. Because in in many of those cases, documentation of like, what is this measure doing? What is this calculation? Is obviously one of those. But report intent, like, do we do we start having pages or hidden pages on a report that describe the intent of things and like that end user experience? So I guess the general question would be 
like is it is it kind of siloed or do you guys get together periodically and talk about like an end-to-end -end solutions and make sure that you're joining things together because obviously in the power bi ecosystem there are a lot of different components to things yeah which that's a really good question um so definitely there are pms who are focused on their own specific areas like i'm focused on like the modeling part of things but we do meet across like the different PMs to make sure we're thinking through these end-to-end -end experiences and we're like actively working together and aligning. Because like you were saying, like users aren't just building data models and that's the end and that's that was right. the goal. Like they're usually doing it because they want to like gather insights from this data through something such as a report. Um, so the success of data modeling really is also the success of like, was this data model useful? Were users able to actually gather insights from this? So I, Totally hear what you're saying. Like it's important for us to make sure that like what we're doing fits into the larger end-to-end -end user flow. Um, so we do have regular meetings to discuss about these kind of concepts, making sure that we aren't only working our own silos. We think about the actual user journey since users aren't just like doing one piece themselves. Um, so I hope that answered your question. Does, yeah, <laughs> but, cool. That's, like it is something top good. of mind. Yeah. I'm thinking as a someone listening to this, all two people or how many people we have here, but uh, um, and I or thinking regardless if I'm a beginner in Power BI or someone who's been in, in, in the game for a while, is there anything that I would want to focus on from a skill, from technology that would help kind of prepare me for more features available in the service where I may transition some of what I'm doing in desktop to modeling in the web. Is there any different skills or any technologies or anything that I would want to do to prepare for this? Yeah, um, so our goal is really to not introduce new skills um, that won't also be added okay. to desktop. Um, so I would say in general, like if you have been like reading up on and learning how to do data modeling in desktop, like those skills, we want that to apply in the service as well. We don't want to have users have to learn like a whole new skill set just because we're bringing um, existing capabilities to a new mm. platform. That's good to know, because I, I think my head's already full with all the other things I have right. to learn. <laughs> but I, I think that's also been like one of the, the, the biggest things that um, I've always loved about Power BI is it, it leveraged these long, these big technologies that had been cultivated and used in different enterprise focused areas and brought those to the tool as opposed to reinventing the wheel. And that was one of the things that I was most excited about. And I'm glad that is still part of that story where like you, you guys own these areas, right? For many, many years. And now um, are bring our, like we now have the capabilities to bring those closer to business users. And yes, there are challenges in that, but at the same time, like it, it's fantastic because you don't like, it's not like everybody had to relearn something on a new platform. It was leveraging skills that existed and just enhancing those as we go along. So that's, that's great to hear that that's still uh, a forefront in the minds. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely forefront in our mind, trying to make like using our product easier for users. Like the last thing we want to do is make it harder, require more and more skills in one place and not the other. Like if anything, we want to do the exact opposite. We want to think like, how can we make this even easier to onboard, especially to these um, potentially difficult to learn data modeling type yeah. concepts. I think it builds character. It's good for people. We'll make it easy. I mean, what, what, what builds character is, is us figuring out how we actually have to or can implement some of these. Yes. Features, right. So there's still a challenge there. Yeah. I'm just saying there is. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. So as I, as I'm thinking again about the feature here and where we're going. So one, first off, Wonderful. I love the feature. And I, and I love the vision that you're kind of you're portraying here, right? Is, is this is just a, a launching pad. We're getting to a place where there's going to be more cool things. There's going to be more integration coming here. Uh, so I'm very excited to see where you guys are going to take this next and, and where, the, where the Microsoft team is really going to build to the next level here. Um, you're doing an incredible job. Really like the development and the design here. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to kind of see where, where the team will take it in here. And again, I just want to, for listeners who are listening to the podcast, Make sure you engage with ideas.powerbay.com. Go out and try the feature uh, and make sure that you are in, are really interacting with the tool because this really does inform the team and lets the team know where 
the priority should live next. So again, the task here is back here to the community. Um, you hear it first here, and you know, we're really getting into this modeling inside the web. If this is an experience that you like, uh, and again, one of the, the announcements of this was around, you know, you can model on your on your Mac, and you're now opening up in a whole other audience of individuals who never really had the ability to go get desktop or go bring modeling experiences down to their computer just because they weren't on a Windows machine. And that's one of the main reasons why I don't have a bunch of Macs all over my house, because I need to open desktop. That's been one of my primary drivers here is I got to have desktop around. So to be able to open up another whole arena for other companies that are more, uh, they're still data centered, but they're maybe on their, their machines, their hardware doesn't allow them to get desktop. So I think this is a really great opportunity. But again, the challenge back to the community is make sure you guys voice your opinions. That's why ideas.powerby.com exists. Um, Emily, I'm sure you're tuned into that as well. People are probably providing you reports around what happens in the community looking for hashtags or keywords. Are there any keywords that you'd want us to use? Uh, I know that uh, Miguel, I think Miguel Myers is using like a um, a hashtag PBI core visuals or something like that to kind of like, you know, key them in to, to various ideas. Do you have a hashtag? Do you have any kind of like little monikers or what would you look for in the ideas um, page that would help you get this insight or this information out? Yeah, that is a great question. We actually don't have ideas page right now, but... Oh, we, we got to make it now. <laughs> make it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess um, we can make it something like uh, hashtag model, like something like that. Carlo on the web. <laughs> Mod modeling, modeling web. online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like, like modeling it. Online, um, oh, like modeling online. Oh, modeling online, yeah. Yeah, maybe I should craft it before officially announcing yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll refine the idea here. We'll let you know when it comes but, out. So. <laughs> But we are checking ideas page. I'm checking especially like the, the public preview blog yeah. post comments mm. there. I'm sure. really regularly checking that. We have a feedback form as well. Um, awesome. So please, like I'm so thankful that you brought this up because this is like so crucial to us being able to deliver a successful product and one that's useful for users is hearing this feedback, being able to iterate on it and being able to prioritize our roadmap based on like what will actually unblock users or, or help you in your data modeling needs. So please take the time to provide us feedback. We are looking and this does help shape our roadmap. If I, again, I, I keep going back to like things that I, that like my little wish list that's kind of like in the back of my mind that I'm kind of tinkering around here with. Um, I, I think I think there's a lot of really good resource. Like I know right today, right now, one of the features is unsupported is incremental refresh. And while I understand incremental refresh is, I think it's my opinion here. I think it's underutilized. I think people know about it, but I don't think they know how to set it up or aptly to build it into their data models. So anything like, again, if you, if I think about like an efficiency thing from a Microsoft standpoint, any, every data set, honestly, should probably be having incremental refresh on it at some level, just because it loads the data faster. You, you know, you don't, it's, it's more efficient for Microsoft to be able to quickly run through those load processes. So again, I, I, I'm very excited to see where this goes and, and potentially what happens later on for one of the features that I'm interested in is incremental refreshing and seeing how that potentially would be overlaid inside the modeling for web experience as well. Oh, look, uh, Oscar, yeah. Oscar's actually saying right now, he's like, I'm actually, he's just letting you know, incremental refresh is actually something I'm working on right now within my organization. So I think it's an underutilized feature. I think it should, it should be everywhere. And it should, the more we can make that easier for people to use and, and generate with um, would be very helpful, I think, too, as well. Yeah, which that is really helpful to hear. This is the exact kind of feedback we're looking for from like you and everyone else who's like testing out this experience and excited to use data modeling in the service. So really appreciate this kind of feedback. Please keep giving this feedback to us and also keep checking um, the monthly Power BI release updates because we plan to add more and more functionality over time. We are gonna keep enhancing this capability. So not only provide feedback, but stay tuned to what new capabilities we're going to offer. So, Ashley, that's going to be my last question, but do you foresee that every blog post, just like their service desktop updates, is modeling on the web going to be on a kind of a monthly, uh, monthly update kind of release plan? So we do plan on having regular updates. Okay. Um, it would be great if it's every month. I okay. can't promise it's going to be every single month, especially just because some of like removing some of the limitations or mm, addressing some sure. of these longer pull yeah. scenarios, they just yeah. take time. Yeah. Um, so I want to set reasonable expectations that like 
we are using all this feedback to like plan our roadmap, but some things are just hard problems to solve and physically will take a long time to support. Um, so some of these like bigger term initiatives might come like a bit further down the road, but that doesn't mean we aren't working towards them. Um, so even if you don't see every single month an update, we are still actively gotcha. working on so, things. It just might mean we're working on a, a longer term. So slightly well. fat, so slightly more than date of March right now. We'll say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not a competition between teams, Tommy. Every, everyone's working on their I'm own PM. I'm just sending an index you're, of releases. You're trying okay? to incite a, a revolt inside Microsoft where each team not is like, time. oh, I've got Not more updates. Desktop, but a little more than data marks. So Tommy, come on! So, You're just trying to gauge all... everything off of metrics because metrics is continually updating every 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 minute. Like there's every month. I have there's an like over six... under for release yeah. plans in Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> over under. You're now betting on it. I get it now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we've we've done a really good job talking through the topic, Emily. We really appreciate your time. Um, you've been gracious with us in our banter and, and ideas. And we, we thank you very much for taking the time to introduce this feature to the audience. Um, everyone else, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time listening to the podcast. Um, our only really ask is uh, if you enjoyed this kind of content, if you enjoyed what you're hearing here, if you're liking to learn about Power BI and, and the direction of where things are going, we only ask that you share it with somebody else. Uh, it's free to you. It's free to somebody else as well. So please share it with somebody else. Let them know you enjoyed this kind of content and we'll keep doing more of this um, if we keep getting good feedback around it. If not, we'll keep doing it anyways and you just keep <laughs> can listen to what we want. So we hold the reins here. We, we make the decision. So, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, Emily, thank you very much for your time. Um, go out to ideas.powerbi.com. Go follow the blog post that's down in the description as well. Make sure you comment there. Uh, let the team know what you like, what, you, what you're interested in, and where the team should take it from, from here on out. So with that, Tommy, well, we'll do the, out, the, the full outro here. Tommy, where else can we find the podcast? Uh, not only on a Wednesday, but usually where you can find the podcast. You're going to break. I'm going to, I'm going to stay on course this time. So you're breaking it. You're going to follow the podcast anywhere. They're available. Apple and Spotify, Google podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. You can listen to all of our 220 or 223 episodes available. Uh, if you want to join the conversation live, you can do so every Tuesday and Thursday at 7:30 AM central. Thank you all so much. Appreciate your time. Have a great week and we'll see you tomorrow on Thursday at 7:30 AM. Thank you.